Right, yes, well, thank you very much. Um, so my name is Stuart Lee, this is Alan Edwards, and we're going to talk about a project um, which really, I suppose, led to sort of the background to today and then took further developments. And in the audience, there are various members of the second project and people from JISC, particularly like to welcome Frank from Berlin, who's come over um, for the day and is involved in the Eschleveltkrieg uh, project in particular. So just to say the background to this was we were given a lot of, lot, uh, some money from JISC and <laughs> to digitise uh, some manuscripts of the famous First World War poets, British First World War poets. So it was a standard digitisation project. But as part of that, um, we had this crazy idea that we would ask members of the public to send us material they held. Originally, the Germany idea was they might send us poems they had from that period, but actually we just widened it. Anything you particularly hold about the First World War, um, which you own the rights to and submit it. Um, so this was really a very small component of that bigger project about digitization, but it actually probably has led to much uh, bigger things, I would say. Um, so how did we do this, this, this community collection, this crowdsourcing? The first thing was we created a very simple website uh, with simple uploads <coughs> and very few fields to catalogue, name, date, location, etc. A bit of, bit of metadata is what we asked. They also could write a story about the object they were putting up and they could assign, or they were required to assign rights to us to distribute it free of charge for educational purposes only across the world. Um, more interestingly, more fun in a way, we ran a series of roadshows or submission days, and we'll talk about these probably in more depth, and that's really what we want to talk about today. So the idea here is you, you, you find a location, you set up, as Alan's going to show you, and the public actually come through the door clutching their items, and you digitise it there and then, and you get them to sign away their, their rights, and you <laughs> run away with it. Um, so there was submission days, on-the-spot digitisation, and we also did a submission day pack, which we put up, we just came as an idea right at the end, so libraries, if we couldn't get to them, um, could run their own day. So the Great War Archive, it, it only ran for three, four months. Um, things which came out of it, which I think have why it's led to other things, was that we got um, 729 submissions um, from the participation days, but nearly double that um, from the online site. Total, we got about 6,500 items through. We then stopped it. We then constantly got badgered. Uh, they had more, people had more and more, so we put a Flickr site up, which we probably should have done from the beginning, but you know, you learn as you go along. That's now at 3,300 items. And I think what really got people interested is when we did the digitization of the rare manuscripts, we were estimating that was about 40 pound an item. Great War Archive turned out about three pound 50 an item and would have got cheaper and cheaper and cheaper because most of the costs were uploaded. That means you. <laughs> Okay, this, this is uh, very unrehearsed, but we shall uh, see how it goes. So from the success of that Great War Archive, um, JISC were able to release some further money, and they asked us to try and tell other projects about how we'd run our community collection, this idea of asking the public to upload items. And at the same time, JISC were, were releasing money for um, community projects to actually run at universities around the country. So we were there with a, a target, almost a captive audience. And we've been doing that now since the beginning of 2010. And this conference marks the end of our work. Uh, we have uh, a website and a blog, which we will slowly put to bed with all the resources that we've been creating. And we'll continue to sort of try and engage with people who are 
conversing on, on Twitter on subjects to do with this idea of two-way engagement and crowdsourcing and community collections through Twitter. What we also did last year is run a community collection again, but this time without the idea of the public enthusiasm that there is in the UK for the history of the First World War. And so Stuart ran a project called World Horde, looking for items from the public relating to the teaching of Anglo-Saxon, to the teaching of history from that period of England. With the um, submission days for the First World War, we, we received a, a lot of our material in that way. Stuart ran World Horde with everything coming through online, either from people emailing items for the project team to upload or people uploading themselves. <coughs> One of the uh, projects which ran in 2010 was following very, very closely the Great War Archive and <coughs> Ronco Co's guidelines. This was Welsh Voices of the Great War Online. In their year, they collected about 2,500 items and they found about roughly 80% came from those submission days or people actually emailed the material to them. And in this last uh, few weeks, we've been working with people like Frank in Berlin on a project funded by Europeana to run the Great War Archive but in Germany, which obviously raises a huge range of cultural issues. Um, and what we'll do now is show you a little bit uh, about our work in Germany uh, about four weeks ago. And I'll see if I can take the lights down a little bit. So this is very much following the model of the Great War Archive. Um, it was very interesting, very difficult, whatever the, the, the words should be, to work with so many different partners who were not close to us. We were working with Europeana and in particular with the German National Library. And we relied totally on the German National Library to provide local venues, to find partners in the German states to work with. And this, for example, is the actual National Library in Frankfurt. And we were looking for a large public room, this sort of size, where the public actually have access to normally, that don't have accessibility issues for disabled, and have enough room for us to actually locate various work areas, like the photographers, like the sort of um, areas where you have to sit and, and talk quite intimately with somebody. And throughout this short 10-day period, we would arrive the night before and set up the room with as much local help as we could get hold of. And here you see us running through some of the guides which we'd already produced for the project, but actually showing people what it meant in situ. And if I can ask you just to look out for this gentleman here. This is uh, one of our colleagues, Everett. 
and I'll explain why in a second. We were very, very fortunate to have a very exceptional manager at the German National Library, Dr. Britta Waldering, and she ran the training sessions for us where we trained the librarians and the archivists from around Germany who were going to help us. And obviously one of the biggest issues that they wanted to know about is what if something goes wrong? What happens if somebody brings in a live grenade into... <laughs> and it's a real problem, and uh, it, it is a real risk. Uh, fortunately, one of our colleagues uh, is a former firearms police officer. So we were there uh, watching these sort of um, training things going along, and one of our colleagues who heard more German than us came over to us and whispered, if the grenade comes, they've told everyone to bring it to Weissbar, bring it to Whitebeard, which was Everett, our colleague. So here you see some of the stations actually being uh, run. As Stuart mentioned, we need to explain to the person about the terms of use that they're signing away their items to. There were waiting areas. Uh, the digitization itself took quite some time and there were queues as more and more people would come. So a lot of this uh, work was done by the, the local uh, participants who were able to engage with people, keep them interested, show that we actually cared that they'd come along and brought all this material to us. And here is Vice Bar actually <laughs> going through material and people really did bring in crates and boxes and bags of stuff which overwhelmed us in terms of our workflows. We really didn't expect that kind of uh, level of interest. So what we'd have to do is prioritise and sometimes sample collections rather than record the whole thing. And as you can see with the scanning and the photography, we're using a sort of system of raffle tickets and the raffle tickets became absolutely vital in tying up material between the submitter, the photography, and then returning that item back to the person who brought it in. And some things would fit into our little portable studio, some things would fit on the scanner, obviously some things don't. And it was fascinating for us as photographers to work out how to get the best shots as, as fast as we could, because there were another two or three hundred, two or three thousand items uh, in, in the backlog. All of this material is being catalogued by our colleagues in Germany. And on the first day, we actually did have uh, a few periods where the catalogers could sit down and work on this. At many of the other days, there was absolutely no chance for that. And there also was no chance for anyone to take a break. Um, we had seriously underestimated the amount of interest we, we generated. <coughs> and this is our favourite item from the first day of filming. And these are tiny, yeah. lovely. And this is the morning after. <laughs> so we would pack up, maybe leave the place by about half nine, ten o'clock at night. And this is nine o'clock the next morning, catching the train to the next city. 
And it was hard. It was exhausting work. I had to put down a couple of mutinies by the photographers. But it doesn't show the whole story. We had some fun. <laughs> a lot of fun. And just to go through those numbers again, Norwich was one of the locations for one of our UK submissions day. It wasn't the biggest, but it certainly wasn't the smallest. And we went there with a few staff. We had some local volunteers. And we took about 700 images. And we thought we were busy. In Munich, a lot more staff involved, a lot more local partners. And we took over 4,000 images on that day. And again, that wasn't the biggest day. I mean, there's many reasons why we managed to generate the interest. Um, one of them was the excellent campaign run by Frank, uh, which actually got Europeana, which not many people know about, actually got them on the national German news. And this is just a screen grab from that. Uh, the team also ran a sort of YouTube campaign. This is a film that you can still find on the internet. And it's a story, a real story. And I wish if I'd thought about this about two weeks ago, I'd have actually shown some of the film because it's lovely. Whereas uh, a British approach to this might be men going over the top and poppies and everything you've seen before. This is really new and interesting and different and modern. And I suggest you have a look at it if you get a chance. Uh, there is a, uh, a very difficult time because we ran these submission days so that we would generate press interest and people would get to find out. But the actual physicality of trying to take photographs while this idiot sticks a microphone in you, in your face, or he comes and asks you to actually move what you're doing because it doesn't quite fit what he's trying to photograph whilst you're digitising, was a nightmare. But there is a funny thing uh, relating to this guy. I don't know if Frank remembers. Stuart, what do you say? <laughs> oh, this was the gentleman that came up with the um, comment as to why we were calling it crowdsourcing. Um, misunderstanding that he thought we were playing, making a pun on crowdsourcing. Um, as we pointed out to him, there is absolutely no way we would ever say such a thing. <laughs> he insisted that one of the, that, the reason for that, the, the, the term that was used by the soldiers about uh, the German counterparts was because they came in crowds. We pointed out it was nothing to do with that. Uh, however, our German colleagues thought this was hilarious, <laughs> and in bars all over Germany, started toasting to crowdsourcing <laughs> while we were sitting there, incredibly embarrassed. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons for doing this, obviously, was to uh, get content into Europeana. But there's also a real benefit for the local partners and for the uh, National Library of Germany, for example, who will have a, a big press conference like this and you know, some real news to release. And the result is a couple of column inches, if that, if they're lucky. The photographers and the reporters who came in put a lot of uh, broadcast time in terms of radio interviews and things like that out. They were also putting together full page spreads, color spreads of photography taken at the National Archives, at the National Library. And this is um, actually on the street vendors thing, is the event that we ran. And this is a photograph of Ilva, our colleague, uh, buying the newspaper. Um, and that's just a close-up of the actual image, which we did actually nick the day after, lift it out of the, uh, the sleeve itself. 
<laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> and back to Stuart. Thank you. On that bombshell, we've been <laughs> committing criminal offences in Germany. I didn't know that. Um, okay, so a few more observations and some results. So in four days, 15,000 images around that were taken, which is quite staggering, really, when you think about it. Um, I should point out, images don't equal objects. So if you have a diary and it's 100 pages, that's 100 images but one object. However, who knows what, you know, what valuable information is contained on each of those pages. So, but it was, it was that amount of images. I think we... We, I don't know, well, it was really down to Alan and Ilva and other people. The, the, the day really worked really well, and certainly by the third day that I was involved in Munich, I didn't make the fourth day in Stuttgart, it really was streamlined, and it had to be because they were coming in, um, there were hordes coming in. Hmm. Um, I Crowds. Crowds. <laughs> I, see, he's at it again. Um, okay, the, the one thing which, was, which we did pick up was you, you need to be in very close agreement with the people who are hosting the submission day, that, the archival library itself because there was one instant where we were saying, no, 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 we can't do that, and we'll just weed it, as, as we've come on to say. But the local institution would go, no, no, we're taking everything. So there was a bit of confusion there. So you do need to just make that. Uh, it wasn't a showstopper or anything like that. OK, technically, cameras are most important. Scanners are wonderful for flatbed, uh, for flat documents, or if you need to sort of get a bit of pressure to remove creases. But basically, if we didn't have digital cameras, you could not have done this. You have to be click, 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 click all the way through particularly when you get, say, a 300-page uh, diary. Uh, selection and weeding a key, you saw Everett there when we got a box of postcards. He had to go through and just choose ones <coughs> which he thought were, were, were different, were, were, were important, knowing full well that there were a hell of a lot more, um, which went away. It, you, some of you, if you're from a reprographic studio, would have looked in horror at what we were doing there, where we were just laying things and taking photos and leaning, and some of it was handheld and everything like that. Um, but when you, you're doing, dealing with this amount of information, I think the rule which we said is better to photograph at low quality, at least it's an image of it, because there's a strong chance that item will get thrown away or lost at some point in the future, than no quality. Of course we tried to go for high quality as best as we could, but when you were dealing with it, no break in about 12 hours, it was, it was tough. But having the website as a backup, you know, we said we can't do all of this, or, look, you're going to have to wait three hours, and they say, well, 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 we'll go away. Give them the website and say, well, look, at least you could put some stuff up there. Um, publicity and marketing was great. The momentum built. Um, we didn't know this. This was a nice sort of uh, <laughs> revelation about Germany, that there's healthy competition between German states. So um, Berlin clearly wanted to outdo um, Frankfurt. Uh, Munich wanted to outdo everyone, from what I could see. The Bavarians really... Really, or oh, we've got to get more than Berlin. And there was celebration in Munich beer halls when they <laughs> found they'd beaten them. Um, we had endless field postcards and field letters. There's no problem with that. But that was interesting. We were seeing a lot more of this type of material from German soldiers being sent back from the front than we did in Britain. So I think the, the bigger point is these sorts of crowdsourcings begin to reveal perhaps differences in the way that um, in this particular area, uh, different nations mem memorialized uh, that conflict. And, and things that happened at the time. Public response was excellent. It was very antique roadshow. I don't know if they have an antique roadshow, but they show it in Germany. So there was, we had to explain what that was. But it was very much like that. And, and again, we found this in Britain, and we did find this in Germany as well. They bring the material in, and what they really want to do is tell you the story behind it and talk about it. Um, OK, so just to conclude, a couple of items came in. Um, we did have a third item, but we can't talk about that, so watch this space. So, these two items here, which would be more important? Um, it's a difficult choice. 
So this is a standard card, memorial card, issued about uh, a dead German soldier. It was only after I, I just chose this at random from quite a few that we got. I realised that he was born on the 4th of December, he died at the age of 22, on Christmas Day um, in 1916. This, of course, the, the, you know, apart from a photograph of a standard German soldier from the First World War, uh, this card really isn't important, but it's the only thing this family has left of this uh, ancestor of theirs. So to them, it's incredibly important. Um, to historians, to people looking at this, maybe not so. But, and that's what you get with crowdsourcing. You get both ends of the extremes. This, I think a naval historian would have a dicky fit. This is basically, it was, I mean, it goes on and on and on. A handwritten journal by um, a German sailor who writes down everything he did in the First World War in terms of where he went, and he then draws maps and everything like that. So an undiscovered, handwritten record of a German sailor going through the First World War. Unbelievable amounts of information in there, which we just snap through and photograph. And you can see this is where you have to do it with a camera if you're trying to process that. Okay, so just some thoughts about further in you. You want to say a bit more about where we're going next. So there is a lot more that Alan has put up. Um, lots of things which are on the websites about further reading, various reports. Chris's report is mentioned there. Um, some principles that Alan and team have come out about sort of social participation and so on. Alan, do you want to just say about the next um, actions target? Just to briefly say that th this was a, a project which is running to generate interest for Europeana to actually um, kickstart collections in Germany. But that work is continuing on the website um, in Germany through till 2014. And the same sort of thing is, uh, we're looking at that for 2014 in the UK and all across Europe, even globally. Um, and immediately, uh, Frank and his team are actually running the same sort of submission days in other parts of Germany, which I, I cannot remember, even though he's, he's told me that but they start very, very soon next month. Hmm. This, by the way, this final image here, this was a stamp. Every time someone gave us something, there was a little postcard and stamped it and gave it to them, so it was a little memento. And it was a very sort of kinetic and, and lovely sort of act, it, it, yeah. and it came from Frank, and it was, it was yeah, we, we loved that. That's it. Thank you very much. <laughs>